it is like the nirvana of online shopping. Someone was asking, could you ever have thought it was going to be this big? And I was like, well, actually, yes. I mean, I think every founder should be delusional enough to think that it is going to be huge. The best, fastest and easiest way for a consumer to buy something is from the point that they're looking at it, right? Is they're looking for a pair of shoes, they want to buy the pair of shoes, let them buy the pair of shoes. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and e-commerce strategist at 12 High. Now, as a customer, what's your biggest gripe about online shopping? I'd say for most of us, it's the checkout process, having to fill in those same 10 fields of information about our name, contact details, and our delivery addresses, most which rarely ever change. Today, we speak with Dom Holland from Fast, whose mission it is to solve this problem for the entire internet. Their tagline is that they are the world's fastest checkout. Originally from Australia, Dom recently moved his family over to San Francisco to chase this vision. Today, Dom takes me through how he came up with the idea of Fast and how he created a prototype within 48 hours. He also talks about how he secured a co-founder and investors using Twitter and why he thinks Australian retail is leading the way in innovation on the global stage. So thanks to our partners Shopify Plus and Signet, here's our conversation with Dom Holland from Fast. Dom Holland from Fast, welcome to Add to Cart. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. You're a former Brizzy and Bondi boy now living um, over in San Fran. Is that right? I sure is. Yeah, I spent the first ten years in uh, in Bondi, and then I spent you know sort of uh, six years floating around in New South Wales, country New South Wales, and then ten last, and then the last and a bit in between, and then uh, the last ten years in Brisbane. So yeah, beautiful. And now San Fran, what was the, uh, I'm sure we're going to hear about it, but how's the difference between San Fran and uh, Australia? Uh, uh, You know, so aside from COVID, um, I think there's, you know, a lot of similarities, you know, between Australia and the US. It's quite a, you know, quite easy place to kind of adjust to, you know, if I didn't have a funny accent, no one would realize that I wasn't (laughs) from here. And, you know, everything else is fairly similar, obviously slight nuances and whatever, but um, all in all pretty similar. I think at the moment there's a stark difference, like the way, you know, the sort of COVID rates in Australia versus in the US, like is making just a very big difference to, the, you know, the way the world is. Um, yeah, SF, you know, itself here as a city has a huge homelessness problem at the best of times, like uh, to a level that I think most Australians just couldn't comprehend and mm. COVID is only like amplifying that and uh, so anyway so there's a lot of that and we're coming into the cold season here too and I miss the warm back home and you know it's uh, anyway it's um it's, it's, yeah it's it's horrible here mate it's <laughs> uh it's spring at the moment coming into summer it's we've we've got COVID slightly under control touch wood mm. even Melbourne's out of it yeah uh, it's a horrible place to be you wouldn't want to be here anyway yeah, yeah I hear so we're here to talk about your new venture it's probably not new and it probably doesn't feel new for you, uh, Fast. And um, I have been following your story. It's obviously got a lot of press, and but I love following you on Twitter mainly because you you have such a great way of uh, bringing people along on the journey. Um, And I've loved following you uh, in in the start of a Fast. Can you – 
I think the best way to explain it, and the way I've heard you explain it before, is how the idea for Fast came about. Mm-hmm. Sure. Can you tell everyone that story? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, I'm married with two little kids and my youngest child, Coda, was in hospital. So we had my wife's grandmother staying with us. You know, he, he was in hospital for a few weeks. So I uh, really needed some extra help around the house. And um, one night she was sitting at the kitchen table. She was ordering groceries, ordering groceries from Coles. And... Um, forgot a password and just couldn't log in and order groceries. I literally couldn't, you know, sort of just buy food. And this was a beautifully innocent, you know, old lady sitting at the table with a purse out, just unable to spend a couple hundred dollars on a credit card. Just didn't make any sense. And so, um, you know, at the time I built a prototype of a passwordless authentication system that I thought would be great for e-commerce. Just, you know, uh, she could have just clicked the link on email and logged in. No password needed. And, uh, you know, I built a feature at the time that, um, once you had used it once on one site, you get one click login to every other site because why, why make you go through that process again? We already know who you are. And, um, I put on product hunt, which is a sort of big, big website for, you know, independent makers and had tens of thousands of people use it in a couple of days and realized that a lot of other people, you know, figured that the state of the world was, was kind of broken as well and didn't make sense. And, uh, so I, sp- I spent a few months not sort of diving head, head into the project or, or, you know starting a venture but just kind of thinking about it and um realized it was a massive opportunity and what were you doing um, at this time were you actually so, in the e-commerce world at that stage or was this kind of a side idea to what you're already doing no this was just uh, uh, like a purely um uh just a concept i whipped up in 48 hours and just kind of ran with as like a yeah a side project i think i've thought about uh you know uh, sort of login identity and payments and for a long time and and i think that this was the amalgamation of like 10 years or two, you know, 15 years of thoughts <laughs> on, on the subject and i just started kind of had this moment of clarity where I, I figured that there was a much better way and um yeah i spent a few months not not working on the project full time just kind of pondering on the space and realized that like fundamentally you know passwords aren't the problem they're just a symptom the reality is that it's the issue is that we have to keep identifying ourselves as consumers over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and it means we you know create passwords for every site individually it doesn't make sense we have to do that we have to fill in you know every form individually so one it's a slow and terrible process most forms are like long and arduous and then uh, and and we're just giving the same information over and over that we give a thousand times before um and then on top of that, uh, now everyone has like these uh, sort of siloed versions of our identity. So, you know, move address and everyone's got this old address in their system. You've got to tell everyone your new address. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I think that that's fundamentally what we set out to solve at Fast is, is to sort of scale consumer identities between businesses and just make it easy for people to do things online. Once you've logged in to Fast once, one click login to the rest of the internet. You know, once you've checked out once using Fast, one click checkout to the rest of the internet. Uh, you know, once you give us that sort of basic profile, then you can use that wherever you want to use that in one click. And um, and so that's that's you know the basic premise of, of Fast, the way that people think of us is as a one click checkout for the whole internet. And um, it's really just kind of like one benefit of, of the larger network that we're building. And so just to cement that in people's heads, because unfortunately we're not a visual medium, it's literally just the fast button in a checkout where you would normally have your PayPal, your afterpay, your credit card details. It's just a button that says fast. Um, so actually it's a button that says fast checkout. Um, and it seems it may seem like a, a slight difference, but the reality is 
95% of people that use Fast Checkout for the first time have, have never heard of us before. They've never seen the button before. They just click a button that says Fast Checkout and they can expect, you know, they, they're going to get a fast checkout from clicking the button. That's exactly what we give them. Uh, the primary place that you see our button is actually on the product page. So we're, we are on the checkout as well. But the reality is, is that uh, every merchant puts this on the product page and that's quite unique. So we sit next to or typically above the add to cart button. And uh, um, most of the time stores, you know, or probably 99% of the time stores will refuse to put payment buttons on the product page because they just let you buy one thing at a time, one amount, right? And no store in the world wants to sell only one item mm. uh, unless unless they're selling cars or something like that. But the reality is normally, you know, retailers want to sell you multiple items. They want to increase their average order value. They don't want, it, they don't want you to buy five items individually. Imagine if Coles did that, you know, and every, uh, you know, they you did, used Apple Pay a hundred times from product pages, it would cost one, every order would be fulfilled individually. So you'd have a hundred boxes arrive, but you would have to pay shipping a hundred times. So you would pay Coles a mm. hundred lots of shipping fees. And, um, but also is the payments have an incremental cost. So typically when a, you know, retailer presses a transaction, it has like a, in America, it's like 2.9% and 30 cents per, per yeah. order. In Australia, it's like 1.75% 30 cents. And, in those cases, the store would pay an incremental fee of $0.30 cents on every single item people purchased. And so the, the cost of delivering this um, would go up, cost to consumers goes up. So it just that's, they refuse to do it. Um, the difference mm. in Fast is that we batch transactions. So uh, every time you click Fast Checkout, you get a one-click checkout. It literally purchases whatever you're looking at instantly. You click it and it'll pop up with a box saying order confirmed. It is like the nirvana <laughs> of online shopping. And But if you do that, you can keep browsing. We obviously leave you on the site. We don't kind of take you all, you know, through this add to card, view card, checkout, and then like 10 steps and then up to a page that says you're done, leave. Um, we leave you in the shopping mode. So you just look, look at a pair of socks, click fast checkout, buy the socks, and then keep browsing, look at a pair of shoes, click fast checkout, buy the shoes. But now you've got one order with two items on it, even though you've done it separately. So you can just buy the socks and walk away. But the reality is most people are probably going to keep browsing and, um, and we see that. And uh, so when you buy the shoes, we add the shoes to your original sock mm-hmm. order. And so as a consumer, your card only gets charged once. As a merchant, you only have to pay one payment fee. Um, for delivery, your uh, consumer then gets to aggregate the value of the two purchases together to hit the free shipping threshold for the store. So when they bought the socks, maybe they have to pay an $8 shipping fee on top. But once they added the shoes, then maybe they probably hit the free shipping threshold now and suddenly the shipping cost comes off the order. We do all of this automatically. And then once and so that's that's a really big difference is that batching functionality and we we see 88 percent of all orders through fast checkout come from product page uh so it is like absolutely wow. stark how um uh, how many people are using our product page checkout versus our car page checkout uh and you know we've been consistently driving conversion rate uplifts like immediately within days uh, or typically within like the first day of well upwards of 25% increase. And these, these are for stores doing over $100 million. And we, you know, drive conversion uplifts of like 60% for stores doing, you know, in the sort of tens of millions or single digit millions. So it's, it is amazing the difference that it makes to business. And it's been, yeah, it's been really effective. Stationary brand Milligram are the prodigal sons of Shopify. Starting life 10 years ago as a Shopify store before packing their bags for an adventure with another platform, Milligram are back over to Shopify Plus. Milligram now have over 100 employees and four physical stores, so they needed a platform that had integrated content and commerce, reduced technical debt, 
the ability to have promos live immediately, and most of all, be reliable in peak season. As an added bonus, they were able to optimize their search bar conversion rate from 4% to almost 8% with Shopify Plus. Now that's something to write home to mum about. To read more of Milligram's story and to see other case studies, visit the customer section on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. That's a huge behavior shift, isn't it, from both a customer perspective and a retailer's perspective because retailers obviously loving that cart process and even Google Analytics have got that process built into it where you can see drop-off rates at certain points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, if you've got a ten-step process, there's a lot of areas for you to drop off. If you've got a one-click checkout, there's not many areas for somebody to drop off. So it makes sense why the conversion rate would you know grow up so much. But again, it's you just wouldn't want to do that with a PayPal or an Apple Pay or a Google Pay or something else because you're opening up a whole you know number of other problems. Mm. And you know, we built batching because the best, fastest, and easiest way for a consumer to buy something is from the point that they're looking at it, right? Is they're looking for a pair of shoes, they want to buy the pair of shoes, let them buy the pair of shoes. They, they shouldn't need to go like through four other pages to get to that point. But the reality is that shouldn't come with the trade-off that a business sells less things or that loses, you know, that it costs them more money to fulfill that order. Um, and so we, yeah, we engineered batching from the ground up. You know, we're hooked into inventory and we've got a full order management system, um, everything built in to facilitate batching. It's a you know, very complex product, and um, but it's completely necessary so that we can reduce all of that friction out of the checkout process. Mm. And from a customer's perspective, how do you keep them logged in across mobiles, desktops, and the rest without requiring that input of password or fingerprint for every purchase? Yeah, I, I mean, it's actually really simple. So it's just the fact that we're a cross-site session, right? So it's like if you go to um, I don't know, any of the sort of major major Australian retailers, um, it's mm. likely that you're still logged in, right? I know that Amazon's in, you know isn't as big in Australia as it is here, but if you go mm. to Amazon, you're still logged in to Amazon. You can come back two months later, you're still logged in, right? They they keep you logged in, but. The reality is that's what Fast is doing. We're just also um, allowing you to tap into that session when you come from some another retailer's site. So it's um, it's quite simple. It's just the fact that we sit as an intermediary that, multi- that multiple companies will use. So we don't give them access to your data at all, but whenever you click the button, it loads our infrastructure so that we can identify who you are and then we'll go back and tell the merchant to process an order for you. Gotcha. And the changes in Chrome cookies and everything that's meant to be coming, that won't impact you at all? Not at all. No. Not at all. Okay. From a retailer point of view, if someone transacts via Fast, mm-hmm. what kind of – because the retailer is still fulfilling, obviously. You're not a marketplace. You're literally yep. just transacting for them. How do they get – or what kind of data do they get? All of the information they would have gotten from making you go through a 10-minute survey process, they get the same thing in one button click. So we always say we're, the, we're just the fastest and easiest way for a merchant to collect the information from you. It's just that instead of you having to type it manually, we've already got it. We've got it ready to yeah. go and in one click. But, yeah. yeah, so they get all of, the, all of your checkout information, everything to fulfill the order. Yeah. And, cu- and customers can connect any type of account, whether that's credit card, afterpay or whatever, to their fast account? Uh, at the moment, we only do credit and debit card. We definitely will, you know, have find our pay later offerings in the future. But um, right now, it's just credit and debit card. Uh, we also um, you can use the uh, voucher code, whether it's a sort of store voucher code or a fast voucher code. If you've got a stored value at the merchant, it works with that. Um, so we're sort of very flexible in um, in that, and and we will add sort of additional payment methods next year. 
I mean, literally, you've solved probably the biggest frustration for both retailers and customers outside of last mile delivery. Um, And you make it sound so simple, like it was just kind of there staring at everyone all along. Yeah, well, it it, it is like that. Um, It's really about having an independent company who's there to solve those problems. The reality is there are other companies in the space, but they're not designed to solve these problems. Like, you know, Apple is trying to, you know, um, sort of bolster its own ecosystem. It's not actually set out to solve every consumer's problem. Otherwise, they would make it available to every consumer and they wouldn't mm. force your bank to give Apple a cut before they would like let everyone use it. It's um, so, uh, you know, we, we literally are just tr- trying to make it fast and easy for every person on the internet to buy things or to log in or, you know, to do whatever. And so um, where it's available on every device, every platform, you know, the bank agnostic. And uh, and so it's a big thing, and um, and and but just not being tied to a platform ecosystem, whether mm-hmm. it's a device platform ecosystem or an e-commerce platform ecosystem, is uh, is really important. And then having it as a company that's not backed by an advertising network, you know, you don't want to kind mm-hmm. of be selling your data and your purchase history yeah. every time to a company that's like just sharing it with advertisers, you know, so that const- you know you can't buy anything without being targeted by ads. Yeah. That's why having an independent company is is really important. And obviously what I've heard is like obviously Amazon has this within their own network and what you're saying there is like that's fine for Amazon to have that within their own network and that, that one-click checkout because they've got all my details. But what happens if I'm shopping outside of Amazon no one's doing that job. So do you see the situation where you kind of have your really hardcore Amazon customers who continue to go through there and then you're the one for everyone who just wants choice around shopping wherever, whenever they want, including, I suppose, social channels as well? Yes. So this is a really interesting point and it's kind of hard to grapple how big Amazon is here <laughs> from Australia. Like, you know, I knew that Amazon was a lot bigger in the US and it is in Australia, obviously been going for a lot longer. But when I moved here last year, it like was just jaw dropping how prevalent it is. And honestly, it is like such an amazing experience. Anything you could possibly imagine is available on Amazon. And you can just pull up the app or go to Amazon.com, you know, type search for whatever you want, click on the product, click buy now and you like and you're done it's like it's it's not quite one click they sort of remove the one click but it but it's very fast right and you're already logged into amazon they've got all your details once you buy stuff you know the the other good thing is once you've bought something everything you bought from amazon is in like you you click on your orders and everything's there every product you've ever bought the delivery status of them you know you can if you've got a problem with it you can initiate sort of you know refund or return or you know seek help from from there it's just like really easy and you know that like everything you bought was from there and so what fast is is it gives you all of that benefit but it gives it to every single retailer on the internet right and so uh, at the moment if this isn't just for amazon the reality is that what consumers are doing here in the in the states like a lot is they will go and see a product that they like on, on a website. And then they will go to Amazon, search that product, and then buy it from Amazon. So they don't have to go through this checkout process. So then they know that they can manage the you know product more seamlessly later on. Even And even if it's more expensive on Amazon, they're still doing this. So everyone's got this concept of like Amazon being dirt cheap. And, you know, they definitely are sort of competitive on price, but they're typically not the cheapest anymore. Mm. And so it's this like ease of use that they're getting because, you know, it's, it's just easier for people to buy and, and manage from there. And so we give all of that to a business. We give them a button that when consumers click the button, it's a one-click checkout. It's faster than actually checking out on Amazon.com if you're an Amazon user. But 
this could be the first time you've ever visited that retailer's site. You could have like not clicked on anything on their site before. The first click is a, mm-hmm. is, is a fast checkout button and you bought whatever it is you're looking to buy. And then every single thing that you've purchased through fast goes into your fast feed. You can track deliveries, mm-hmm. download receipts. You can one-click reorder items all from one place. So all of the benefits that you – the you previously only got from big part from you know shopping on amazon.com you get from um fast for every website on the internet so suddenly that opens up like tremendous opportunities and gets people um you know buying for more independence and small businesses and whatever else yes absolutely and i can imagine with customers there because you are a new brand there's got to be a certain level of trust that you've got to build with customers to create an account and give over all that information right Uh, how do you create that trust straight up yeah maybe you think that so we are embedded into into merchant sites and we typically just get the inferred trust the consumer has. They're about to hand over their credit card details and information to a random store that they've just come across. Um, you know, we're pretty safe these days. Most of the Western world has good protection from banks. We're not too worried about our sort of credit card numbers being, you know, stolen. So we're quite, you know, especially now with COVID, everyone's quite comfortable entering credit card mm-hmm. numbers into a website, right? That's It's just into an e-commerce site. And uh, the reality is... No one really questions it, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we kind of get the inferred trust that the website would have. If There's a button that says fast checkout. When you click it, it pops open a checkout form. That's it. You enter your name, email, phone number, delivery address, credit card information. It's the fastest checkout form you'll ever use. takes 30 seconds and you buy whatever you wanted to buy. Now you get one-click checkout from from then on. Cool. And so, you had your big launch in September. Um, Can you tell us some of the retailers that you've had on? Because I've gone on the Fast site. I can see that you actually can buy the Fast hoodie using Fast if you want to test it yourself. Mm -hmm. Where else can people go on and have a look at how Fast works? Oh, you know, there's lots of stores. We have – I put out tweets occasionally. People follow me on Twitter at Dom, D-O-M-M. They can see I put out lists of things you can buy, one-click. One click bacon, one click beauty products, one click coffee, <laughs> one click fashion. But pretty much anything you want these days, there's a store that's got fast with it. Um, it's always fun. It's all that, sounding very dangerous. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, fire pits. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. Um, all the different stores, stores for women and men, and kids and whatever else. Mm-hmm. You know, we we uh, launched in partnership with Big Commerce, and so opened it up to their ecosystem. They've got sixty thousand stores across you know all categories. So um, you know, there's lots of stores coming on board every day. I'm going to put you on the spot. Have you got a favorite? There must be a favorite store that you love. Um, One of those. It's a good point. I tell you what, a product that seems to be like. Um, I think Shark Wheel. I, Shark Wheel sell electric skateboards, and um, and and they sell skateboards that have a five hundred and forty degree wheel. So it's not a circular wheel. So it's an interesting oh. product, and apparently it uh, produces more momentum that can carry you across, uh, you know, gravel surfaces and off road surfaces and and whatnot. So that's and and a lot of people have bought their electric skateboards. A lot of people. So um, I think that's a that's an interesting product, and they were one of our launch that's partners. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's very Stan Fran. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, take us back to the founding journey. Actually, that's the question I was going to ask you. Has your grandma or, or your, your your wife's grandmother used Fast yet? Yes, she's used it and she's very proud of being um, the origin story. Uh, she, we, so, we actually call her Nanny. I've been uh, revealing this lately. We don't call her Granny. We call her Nanny. I very intentionally <laughs> say Granny so that people don't think I'm talking about like somebody who lives in our house and looks after <laughs> our kids. <laughs> my poor nanny was ordering us groceries yes. and she couldn't do it <laughs> exactly yeah. um so yeah. I, I make sure that people understand it was a, a grandmother 
Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so tell us about your founding partner. I know you've had the idea and you're able to spin something up, a prototype within 48 hours, mm-hmm. but I understand that, that you've also got a partner who's come along on the journey. Tell us about her and how that relationship came about. Yeah. So I, I, I officially incorporated the company in March 2019, so March last year, and then uh, I actually raised um so i launched on i launched fast login uh on uh, march 14 2019 and i raised an angel round in sydney in may last year and then i caught the next flight to the us in june i knew i wanted to base a company here and i wanted to set up and so i figured i would just start networking and meeting people and um, i wanted to build a big business i wanted to find people who'd be able to help in that journey and yeah one of the people was allison by allen she was I would just reach out to people cold to build networks when I got here. Um, she was one of the people I reached out to. I literally sent her a DM on Twitter saying, "Hey, I'm an Aussie founder here from you know in the, in the US. Would love to tell you about what I'm doing." She she was a head of global product operations at Uber and Uber's money team. Uh, obviously, very relevant field. Um, she'd been there from 2000 to 24,000 people, so she'd seen immense scale as a tech company. Um, had a great background, and she was an angel investor, so I knew she was interested interested in startups and. Um, yeah, I, I caught up with her and I told her what we were doing. She loved loved the uh, concept. She had written a thesis about frictionless finance a couple of years earlier, which basically was our company. You know what what we're building now um, to a T, and uh, and so she was really interested. She wanted to invest in the company as an angel. Wanted to introduce me to some um, uh, to a, a venture capitalist that she you know who's ranked the number one um, fintech investor in the world, which is Jan Hammer. Uh, she introduced me to him. And uh, I sat down and had breakfast with him on the, in September last year and he made an offer on the spot to lead a pre-seed <laughs> round in the company. And so I went back to Allison and sent her a message and I said, I, I'm, you know, Jan's in, are you, uh, are you in? And she wrote back and she said, yeah, I already um, told you that I'd invest. And I said, no, why don't you come and help build the company? And uh, <laughs> so uh, she did. She, um, you know, left Uber after five years in uh, October last year. She took a few weeks to go on a belated honeymoon, and then uh, and, and we started working together from November last year. So in November there was uh, just two of us here in the US, uh, and we and we very quickly got started building building uh, what is really fast today. Yeah, and are you able to say how many employees you're up to now? About seventy. Yeah, obviously it's yeah. like you know we get we're getting people coming on board every day, but um, about seventy people now. Yeah, so in about 12 months, we've grown yeah, from wow. um, 2 to 70. Yep. Huge growth. And um, I understand that you call yourselves Fastronauts. Yeah, so I, it, it was hard <laughs> for me to kind of um, get my head around because of the accent. But so in my head, it's, they, they say Fastronauts um, because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's ast- um Anyway, so uh, fast, Fastronauts is what they call it. Fastronauts. Yeah. Okay, nice. Mm. And in terms of that funding that you got, could, do you think you could have done that in australia or you had to be in the u.s to do that uh no i so i I don't think i could have had um so i don't think that every company needs to be based there for first first off i don't think that we could have done what we've done with fast in australia um today i i I don't believe it Uh, one is you know we're going after like you know the we are available to sellers in 42 countries now um australia being one of them we do have live sellers in australia but we also have um, 
you know, available to sellers in, in a much larger um, a number of countries. But the US is our sort of business focus for the next, you know, kind of six months. And it's a market that's, you know, 13 times the size of Australia. So it's a market that can just support much larger businesses, you know, at the same imp- level of impact I would have had trying to service our local market in Australia is just, you know, for the same amount of my time, I get more you know, bang for my buck here. Mm. But, you know, also investors here, you know, there's, uh, we can support much larger growth. Um, there's more capital here. But the, the primary reason I came here is is for talent. It, you know, there's not all of the engineers in the world, the vast majority of the engineers in the world who've built like consumer network scale businesses, businesses that support billions of people or hundreds of millions of people are based here in San Francisco or in the Bay Area. And, uh, mm. and so that's the primary reason. And, and capital is similar is that, you know, the majority of the world's capital for investing in consumer network scale businesses uh, are here in the Bay Area. So I, I definitely, you know, I, I really didn't try and raise, you know, money from um, Australian VCs. I, I knew it would be the case. I, I did meet with a few in the end. And, um, and like, yeah, they just, they don't, they don't have the same like appetite for risk, sort of actual mm. network scale ambition that U.S. investors have. They don't quite like grasp the same principles as clearly just because the U.S. is more sophisticated. And here, mm. They've seen, you know, network effect businesses many, many times work. They understand the mechanics of it. They understand how just how quickly a company can grow. We, we you know, we just don't have as many examples of like very, very fast growing companies. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are one of the fastest growing companies in the world. Uh, we're definitely one of the fastest growing companies in the Bay Area. Maybe, maybe the fastest growing company in Silicon Valley. And, uh, you know, from for Australian standards, you know, so. We're like, you know, they're probably the lead of the pack from a Silicon Valley perspective. And so from an Australian perspective, it just, if you told somebody in Australia, we were going to do what we're doing, people like, Hmm. they think I'm crazy here in Australia. They would have thought, you know, it was. You're crazy. You're crazy with a cool accent over there. Yeah. yeah, A complete lie. So um, anyway, so it's, it definitely, um, I I don't think for this type of business, it would have been possible in Australia. Yeah. Was there. A moment where you're in Australia, you had this idea, you had this prototype, you've been talking to people and you Mm -hmm. went, this is much bigger than where I am right now. This is a huge idea. I need to relocate my family to the US, which I understand you've got a young family, relocate the family to the US. I don't have all the contacts I need over there, but I have faith that this idea is good enough that I can make the contacts, get the investments over there. Was there a moment that you went, I've got to go? Yeah, you know, I think that... um all founders have got to be partially delusional. You know, someone was asking, "Did you, do you think that, um, you know, did you, could you ever have thought it was going to be this big? And I was like, well, actually, yes. I mean, I think every founder should be delusional enough to think that um, it is going to be huge. And and so I definitely had that same view. The, the reality was it was, you know, I think I that day on Product Hunt, it was, an, it was the number two most voted product on Product Hunt and literally just drove so much traffic. Five days later, Andreessen Horowitz, you know, the massive VC fund here reached out. I was just sitting in Brisbane, like this is just something I whipped together. I bought a $15, you know, template on Theme Forest and like built just a scrappy, <laughs> scrappy prototype. And it was then, I think it was probably the, you know, Andreessen called, I, I just realized it was something like really big here. And um, it was literally from that point forward, I knew I, I wanted to do this. I did want to do it then. This was in October, 2018. I did want to, 
do something here then, but uh, it just wasn't the right time for my family. Obviously, my son had just been in hospital for three weeks and had sort of ongoing, you know, care, and it, it, it wasn't the right time for us. That's that's pretty much the reason why I also, you know, it's, it's funny that it was the sort of inception moment for the company because it was also the thing that prevented me from working on it for mm. um, months, right, is that I couldn't just sort of go and, you know, jump off and, and build this. Yeah. And uh, so that why that's, you know, it was March, you know, when I went, I just have to, I, I thought I'll put it off and I, I won't sort of start any venture and I'll kind of leave it. And I spent a few months sort of just tinkering and whatever. And then in about, yeah, February last, last year, I thought I just can't, I just can't not, <laughs> I have to do it. It's, it's huge. It's the way that the web should look. It's like, the, it was so, it's so stupid, you know, seeing every day, Every day you have to use a password. Every day you have to fill in a form. Every day you have to check out and like go through this terrible process. <laughs> it just like screams at you, you know, how much um, the web needs this. Yeah. And uh, it's still now, you know, anytime I have to log into something now, it just kills me. Anytime I have to check out manually now, it kills me because, especially because we are in market. So, uh, you know, it's just that sort of blinding, um, blinding vision that, that mm-hmm. meant that I couldn't put off any, any longer. Do you ever look at your packaging solutions and think, my God, one day we are going to get around to fixing that? Well, our partners at Signet may be the answer you've been looking for. They have over 5,500 packaging solutions and warehouses all over Australia, which have helped retailers such as IKEA, T2, Lush and Mecca not only reduce their packing times by up to 30%, but also save the environment. Visit signet.net.au to find out more. So you got over to San Fran with your family, and then I understand COVID hit. Yeah, and actually, so I, I came to you know the US in June with an ESTA, so you know three months sort of business, you know, and and tourist visa, and set up networks and whatever, and I raised a pre-seed round in October, and then I came home and got a visa and moved the family over. So the family only moved over in November, um, and so officially we um, I became an official resident of the US in November last year. So I would travel back and forth. I would do sort of three or four weeks in the US and then one week in Australia, and then keep I kept doing that from June till November last year. But yeah, and so then we moved over in November, and so they had a you know a few months here, and then COVID hit, and uh, and so it's it was a pretty big blow to them. They obviously hadn't met really met many people you know at all. And we were living in a two-bedroom apartment, <laughs> and um, and suddenly, you know, one, you know, you no backyard, two energetic kids. Um, you know, uh, it was hard to, hard to be in an apartment in general. And at the same time, they go and mm. close all the parks so that you're not spreading germs. You tell you not to leave the area, and so you're just sitting in the middle of you know SF City, which is not a great place for kids uh, at a time when you can't go anywhere. So it, it was it was pretty hard for them. And I can imagine that would have been stressful for you as well because you've got these young kids that you want to spend time with, make sure they're happy, you've uprooted their mm-hmm. life. But at the same time, you've also gone over for a really you know, clear purpose yeah. to build and grow this business because that's what it's all yeah. for. Yeah, absolutely. And you're doing that in your two-bedroom apartment in lockdown. Yeah, yeah no, it's, uh, it, was, it was really hard. So they, they went back to Australia for three months. But, you know, they're back now. Um, we moved into a house for the yeah. backyard. So it's it's still uh, it's still tough. You know, it's hard having so many restrictions, not being able to see people. Like, you know, how do, how do they build networks and, and make friends? And a place when you're not allowed to see anyone, mm. it's still really difficult. But, you know, getting it's getting better every day. I could imagine, though, the upside of COVID is the impact on e-commerce and the growth in e-commerce and the investment that's coming from retailers, especially the more traditional retailers now, to make that 
as seamless as possible. And then I can imagine that you've got the story where you can go in and go, actually, I can give you a real good shortcut here. If you don't want to spend millions looking after your checkout, I've got a nice little shortcut that you can add onto your site instantly. Is that kind of how the story goes to those retailers? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, so COVID's been um, uh, incredible. Obviously, you know, e-commerce is a multi-trillion dollar market that's been growing by like 30% quarter on quarter. It's just astounding at how fast the market has grown in a very small amount of time. So one is that there's just lots of more people buying things and they're buying things in more frequency and, you know, the, a bigger percentage of their spending dollars are being spent online. So so no doubt there's been a sort of a, a sort of large you know, flow to e-commerce, which is the net positive for every e-commerce or, you know, fintech business, really. I think the the other, you know, huge thing is that if you're an enterprise um, size retailer, right, if you're a large, very large retailer, uh, especially traditional retailers who have an online presence, the shift to e-commerce has not just meant that it's like more dollars, it's the percentage of your business, which is now done online, has drastically changed. You know, uh, companies like Walmart here, you know, they may have been, it may have been 8% of their business, you know, previously, and we're still talking about billions of dollars, and it's now 40% of their business. Uh, that's a really stark difference to like to large retailers. And so, if you're a big business, not only, you know, it, it's not just like more dollars are flowing through and less coming from um, traditional channels, but you typically have like, you know, to your point, these companies are spending tens of millions of dollars a year on checkout and it's typically like less, you know, uh, like a um, subpar experience compared to smaller, you know, more nimble merchants. Um, the cost of change is huge. Uh, the speed of change is slow because it's such large sort of infrastructure projects. And so typically there's like slow to adopt new technology in general, right? What COVID has done is put such a priority on e-commerce for them that all of a sudden, they have to reevaluate their entire e-commerce strategy. They have to take best of breed, like new technology. Um, they have to be looking at what they can do better to like better serve people online and, and to not like lose what is now a critical part of their business, not like an, a sale, not one small cha- channel for them. And so fast, really, you know, if you're a large retailer, you're absolutely looking at fast. And, and I think that we will be onboarding far more sort of enterprise customers next year than, than ever before. And, you know, you could have been a small fight, um, a point in time for, you know, a, a sort of high growth tech mm. company. Yeah. Yeah. And apart from obviously payment and fast checkout, is there anything that you've seen in the US that you go, gee, they just do that so much better in the US than Australia? It's a real missed opportunity for Australian retailers. Oh, um, no. so one of the things I find amazing about, about this place, especially like San Francisco and the Bay Area, you know, this is Silicon Valley. You know, as Australians, I think we always think of Silicon Valley as being like so futuristic and having cars that would, you know, you know, transformers and climb buildings and whatever. It is so old school here. Like, you know, you know, parking garages, you know, car parks, you know, they don't call them car parks here, but they, um, it's such old technology. Like everything is so old and tired. Buildings are old, like everything's old. And, um, <laughs> it's normally the opposite, you know, like they don't, they're only just using like chip, chip cards, you know, for EMV, um, chip cards now. Um, Apple Pay is still like being rolled out, albeit very, you know, much more quickly now because of COVID. But it's like, it's actually quite traditional here. Australia is definitely like typically more like tech forward in in a lot of ways, like generally societally. Mm. And I've I've kind of always known this, you know, like carsales.com.au, realestate.com.au, like these sort of like massive seek.com.au, these sort of massive portals that Australia has and, and had very early pioneered. We had like larger percentages of 
you know, online transactions, not financial transactions, but sort of industry transactions going online far be- far before the US did. You know, they we, we just really started look, shopping for cars, shopping for apartments, shopping for houses online well before other parts of the world. Um, and and we're, we're always like very early adopters. So I, I really don't think the US is like really nailed um, much else. They kind of just get this scale that Australians don't get. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you can have niche products that can still sell millions of them, whereas in Australia, like, it's much small. So there's more choice typically here in the US because of that scale of, of market. And and that that is quite glaring. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't think um, the Mexican taquerias here are pretty good. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's a really interesting take because, um, and, and I love your honesty there, because scale does afford you to do a lot of stuff that looks really cool. Yeah. And it's usually from a marketing or a fulfillment point exactly. of view, right? Yeah. Like you can do the same day shipping, you can do the big influence programs, all that sort or of just, stuff. Or just making like completely, I mean, those two are massive, right? Like the fast shipping here is, is amazing compared, you know, yeah, compared to Australia. But I think like just product choice, you know, just having like, Creating a you know a company that sells X product in like in Australia, if you're just serving the Australian market, it's not a typically not going to be a large market for you, and you know your cost to produce is going to be high. Like the product itself may may cost you much, so that's a you know it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it's a great take. Sure. Thank you. Um, who do you who do you look up to uh, as an entrepreneur in retail? Who do you really put on a pedestal? Uh, I don't put anyone on a pedestal. I make a point of not putting anyone on a pedestal. <laughs> I think it's a dangerous thing. I think uh, a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people who who may have done brilliant things or occasionally do brilliant things, but no one is brilliant all the time. And and I think that everyone needs to be, you know, myself definitely included. You know, we all need to be evaluated on each decision. I, I will say that. Jeff Bezos is, is uh, you know, I, I always sort of give that name. I think he is a remarkable business person and, um, and, and really has, you know, has had tremendous levels of success, like generally, but continues to just dominate. And um, he added 250,000 new jobs, Amazon did in the last quarter. Like that's, it's just yeah. so hard to comprehend. But not just even Amazon, you know, they're, you know, they're different, different, completely different um, sectors that they target through different business units and everything they do, they tend to do really well. Um, and you're very shrewd operators. And I, I really think that it's hard to like uh, find somebody who has had such such a level of success. Well, I mean, not, not, not many people in the world have had such a level of success, but to have like repetitive success in, in multiple mm. areas, I think he's done exceptionally well. But like I said, I mean, I wouldn't agree with everything that Jeff Bezos said. Amazon has Amazon Pay, which we could compete directly with, and I think that will blow out of the water. So, um, you know, I don't think that they've got like the, the perfect <laughs> strategy of everything, but I definitely think that he is just a, 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 a an exceptional business person who's done well mm. you know, so many times. And I think the thing with what he's created there is that it is so hard to dissect or pull apart the Amazon business model. Like even the best analysts can't work out exactly yeah. What revenue streams drive other revenue streams? It's this mm-hmm. amazing flywheel that just keeps turning, right? Just, oh, just keeps absolutely. And stronger. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You haven't had a conversation with him yet? No, not yet. I'll see if he wants to put fast <laughs> check out on Amazon.com. <laughs> I'm sorry, listen. You'll be right. Um, all right. So, we've got to wrap up there. I've loved, loved hearing more about fast and your journey. How can people contact you? 
Uh, oh, I'm, I'm pretty open. Uh, Twitter is always uh, – I'm very, very well engaged on Twitter. I share a lot on Twitter and, and very open and transparent. You can DM me on Twitter or just at me or whatever. Um, so at Dom, D-O-M-M. But, you know, I, I share my email address openly on Twitter as well, so you can have it here. It's D-O-M-M at fast, F-A-S-T dot co. Um, either of those two ways are great ways of getting in touch. Beautiful. And just – out of curiosity, Twitter over LinkedIn from a business social perspective, you've obviously weighed very heavily on Twitter. Was there a reason for that? Yeah, look, I use um, LinkedIn a lot to like recruit and um, and find new talent, uh, and like you know, so I I'm not sort of a hater on the platform, but Twitter is just by far voice far more connections. I and I you know said the other day I um I, if I you know, actually told people how many investors we got from Twitter, how many staff we've hired from Twitter, how many partners and retailers we've onboarded from Twitter. It would like blow people's minds. Honestly, like a huge portion of our success we owe to that platform. It has been like absolutely astounding. If you go and have a look, there's, thousands, there's probably nearly 10,000 people around the world wearing fast hoodies that they bought from, you know, from <laughs> clicking on swag store links from that we post on Twitter. Um, it, it's, it's really been an incredible medium for us. Um, and, and one that we continue to use. So sh- people can share, you know, share along in their journey, connect with the company and, uh, yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's well worth a follow, uh, at Dom, D-O-M-M. Dom, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, really, really love following your journey and look forward to what's coming. If this has only been 12 months or launched since September, yeah, could only imagine what it's going to be Thanks so much. in the next 12 months. Thanks for following. Thanks for having me. Talk soon. Thank you, much. What a story, hey? It's one that I have been and will be following very closely. What stood out for me is that Dom saw a problem, but he went out to fix it. He didn't go and gripe about it or go to market in the hope that someone else can fix it for him. He actually saw the problem and went about trying to solve one of the biggest e-commerce problems that exists and has existed for a long time. And sure, I think he probably simplified the story for us and it is very early days for Fast. But Dom has shown us that we don't need to sit back and wait for someone else to solve our problems. And there's huge opportunity in it. His comment around Australia actually being very innovative in retail took my attention. I was expecting some crazy stories of how international e-commerce experiences that he had over in San Francisco that we don't see here. But the fact that we don't have the scale of markets like the US can really work in our favour. We can actually never let our problem-solving brains rest because so often we have to find the solutions for ourselves in such a unique market. With a smaller population in a dispersed country, that, if we're honest, still prefers traditional retail, we have to work super hard for the best customer experience. What the conversation with Dom reminded me of was, how can we use these problem-solving skills that we use every day, not only to solve problems here in Australia, but how do we then influence the experience through the entire world? Now, there's an opportunity. If you're looking for more e-commerce news, case studies, and research, sign up to 12 High's High 5 Newsletter. Every week, I read all the e-commerce news and send you five things which I've found which will help grow your business. Visit 12high.com.au forward slash high five, H-I-G-H five to sign up for free. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep adding to cart. Cart.